developing your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. This is part six of The Death Show. It features teachers and mystics, which we're going to focus on for the next two portions of the show. They're going to offer sharp insights you've probably never heard before. But these teachers are widely respected. And I hope you're enjoying this program so far. And again, if it's bringing you some form of peace or consolation, please share it with other people. That's what it was created for. Let us begin today's program. Joining us now is Mr. Vincent Jenna, psychic medium, spiritual teacher. He's also an author. And you can learn more about him by going to his website at vincentjenna, G-E-N-N-A dot com. Welcome back to the program, Vincent. Oh, it's so great to be here, Ryan. Thanks for inviting me. My pleasure. Your perspective, you deal with a lot of clients who are probably trying to communicate with people who have crossed over. What are some of the most profound insights you have about death and crossing over? Mm. Well, yeah, yeah, it it helps if you have an e-ticket, like the old days back in Disney World. It is a... (laughs) You, it's it's the best ride of your life. Let's put it that way, Ryan. Um, there's actually the two most important journeys of your life are your birth and your death. Everything in between is is the stuff that you get to play with. But those two things are definites. You will always be born because death makes life possible. That's actually the name of a new movie uh, that is, is out there. And the, the biggest insight that I have gained from talking to the other side, Ryan, believe it or not, is it is no better there than it is here. So many really? religions want to portray the afterlife as, the, you know, the heaven, heavenly place. And that the earthly plane is the learning place. You come here and you learn so that you can have a good life over there. And that's actually just not true. We were told by a spiritual master about 2016 years ago, Jesus, he said, the kingdom of heaven is within you. It is not a place. Don't look for a place. It's inside of you. And what he meant by that and all his teachings were about you make heaven wherever you are. And honestly, by talking with those on the other side, they're still in some emotional trauma, some of them, depending upon what they caused down here. Did they abuse someone down here? Did they put their children or their spouse through hell? And now they're on the other side 
watching the people down here try to cope with life and get through their pains and agonies from what they may have caused. So there's still, you take your personality with you, you take your issues with you. The only thing you don't take with you is your body and physical pain. But you got to work on the other side the same way as you have to work over here, and you got to make it heaven in both places, Ryan. Okay. My understanding is that when you go to the spiritual realm, there is eternity. Time does not exist. How can a spirit be in pain and still have a life similar to ours without the illusion of time that we experience in the physical dimension? Oh, you don't have the illusion of time, but you have their thing. So our illusion over here, okay, you've got your illusion over there. Um, the, the movie What Dreams May Come is an excellent, excellent uh, understanding of what it is like on the other side. Heaven will be exactly what you think it is until you really understand what it is. Well, that's the same thing as over here. There's no difference over here. We're using time over here as a, as a means of measurement that makes us comfortable, but we use other stuff over there. So, okay, so- it's... You don't lose your identity. You gain it. So if you pass physically, well, if you die, can you wake up into a world that's just going to be like Earth, only it's populated with other people who've died? Oh, I don't think that it's quite like that. Like That's ro- a romantic view that uh, the uh, cinema industry has portrayed. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have bodies. But I do believe that we we see our energies and we see the energies of who we've been in past lives. So it's not just a bunch of people. It's a bunch of your energies from all the lifetimes that you've had. Um, when, When spirit comes to me in order to communicate with somebody here, they will portray themselves as they were here. Or they might portray themselves in the time period of their lives that they enjoyed the best. So you can actually manipulate that and see that uh, just like it's an illusion here that you're seeing with your eyes. On the other side, you can see whatever you want, whatever you choose. So if that's with a body, if it's not with a body, um, I don't think that that matters as much. And, in, and for our minds to really grasp all of it over here, I don't think that's possible. Okay. In our physical reality, when somebody dies, especially when they die suddenly, it's incredibly tragic. And we, we know we miss their presence. On the spiritual realm, when a spirit decides to incarnate and they are born, do the spirits on the other side experience the same type of loss and sorrow, knowing that the spirit is no longer there, that has gone to take a, a physical life incarnation? No, I've never been asked that question before. That's a very interesting question. The answer is no, because... One of the things about being over there is you also don't have the same limitations that you have over here. Over here, you have memory loss as soon as you come down and you incarnate. You forget the other existence. Over there, you know all your existences. You know that there's no such thing as death. You, you see the person. We don't see spirit world, but spirit world sees us. So you see the person down there. You see what they're doing. You get on with your life, and they get on with theirs. And when the spirit incarnates, you're not losing them because you understand you're part of everything. And they're going down there to enjoy life so that they can come back and share it with you. It's a total different concept than what we see here. But the only thing that stays the same and stays consistent in both is the personality and the mind. The mind was created upon our creation. It wasn't created here on earth. You're thinking the brain. 
But the mind was created the moment the God source created us. And that mind carries with you. So whatever you're capable of creating over there, you can create over here as well. You just have a body that tends to forget it and then a brain that you've allowed yourself to forget so that you can live a whole new life, a whole new experience. But over there, you don't have the same limitations. Okay. And is it a crapshoot sometimes for spirits that want to come into a physical life incarnation, hoping to evolve and grow their spirits, yet if they come down and the lessons are too hard, and say, for example, they come in celestial, but they leave in a suicide, or they leave in a very negative place, are they in one way, shape, or form chancing the the, um, regressing their evolution in a physical form by not (laughs) uh, meeting high expectations? Let me tell you something. From the moment we were created, everything was a chance. Um, And I don't mean to say that glibly or that um, we are victims at all, but here's the thing, all, all, life is about choices. So is being on the other side. It's all about choices, the choices we make. We make high choices, we make low choices. Sometimes it's not too wise of a choice to want to come in this earth and take on a whole bunch of suffering because you're going to make up for some things from past lives. Sometimes that's not a good choice because you can get caught up over here in, in the earthly plane and the negatives of the hurt and the pain that you put yourself through unconsciously. And that can actually sidetrack you from your original intention. And it can thwart your, your evolvement. So the answer is then, yes, you can actually block and hinder your evolvement because everything is free will and nothing is definite except the beginning and the ending. So, in other words, when we're all done here, we'll be back there and, and everything will be okay because nothing can be bad that comes from a God creation because it's unlimited, therefore we're unlimited too. And it's the in-between part that's left in our hands that we're supposed to be doing something with, enjoying ourselves, experiencing ourselves in, in order to evolve to that finality, to that highest ending. How long that takes, see, that's, that's a thing about time that's here or there. On the other side, time is a place. On this side, time is a date. It's in the future or it's linear. It's in, in, in the past or it's in the present or it's in the future. So it doesn't matter then how long or where it takes us. That journey can go on for a very long time. It just matters as to whether when we're going to get there. Got it. And there are people who come to you because they want to facilitate communications with people who have crossed over. They're Mm -hmm. the loved ones. And I'm sure there's a question that people have. I I definitely have it. Is how do you yourself facilitate communication with people who have passed? How can you be more receptive and open to their messages and is there anything a person can do to actually begin to see a visual image of a person who's crossed, crossed over? Yes, get a good internet connection. That's, you're supposed to laugh there. I thought that was connection. part of it. I, thought, <laughs> I know, you're waiting, right? <laughs> well, that's, that's several questions in one, actually. Um, making the connection is about trusting my inner voice. That's the primary thing. Everybody has an inner voice. 
The, the beyond is talking to us all the time. They're constantly sending us messages. Our guides are going, go the other way. Go down the other street. Make the other choice. Dump that person. Don't go with him. Don't go with her. All of those things. Don't take that job. Take this job. They're whispering in our ears constantly. And our intuition is either really connected and, and the channel is clear between our intuitive minds and our conscious minds, or it's blocked and, and it's being filtered through a whole bunch of our issues. So you've got to clear your issues. You've got to understand what it is you're truly believing about yourself so that you can clear that up. You've got to let go of your defense mechanisms, throw away your coping skills, and bear yourself to open up to your inner voice. And in that, you're opening the passageway to make communication with those on the other side as well. They're all around us right now, right next to you. You've got about four or five spirits that you're not even aware, Ryan, is, is sitting right around you. But they're, they're there. And I feel bad for them. I feel no, they love they being, must, man, they man they're laughing people. every day. You've got to be kidding, man. You make them laugh. <laughs> so, but they're, they're, I know, right? Right. Some of the things they watch us doing, holy cow. I mean, if people really understood they were being watched 24-7 and not by Big Brother, but by Bigger Brother, all right, oh. they, they would definitely question some of the actions and the choices that, that they would do. But, but it's there. They're there. Um, we chalk it off. And like we, we say, oh, I saw something at the corner of my eyes. I just thought that it was a flashing light. I just thought it was this. I thought I heard my name called, but it's just my imagination. So we're constantly coming up with excuses because it's hard for us to tap into that reality. But there are cultures that, and people that as soon as they hear, see, smell something, they immediately say, hello, oh, there's somebody visiting. I mean, over in England, mediumship is revered so highly um, that they don't poo-poo it off. They don't, anything that they feel, they're absolutely, they believe it's absolutely true. You know, they don't think it's their imagination. They don't think that it was a speck that flew past their eyes. They absolutely honor it. And that's how they become such respected mediums because they've completely honored everything that they saw. So my biggest piece of advice is want to communicate, sit quietly, believe you'll get an answer, open your heart, open your mind, and don't chalk anything off to your imagination. If you think you smell the person because of the fragrance that they had, then they're there. If you're seeing them in your dreams, they're there. If you're all of a sudden thinking of them out of the clear blue, they're there. If you're watching TV and a song comes on that reminds you of them, they're there. Honor it, say it, and you'll wind up making more communication with them and get clearer uh, messages. Mr. Vincent Jenna, psychic medium, author, spiritual teacher and counselor. You can learn more about him by going to his website at vincentjenna.com. Mr. Jenna, truly an honor. Thank you so much for being with us today and for your great insight. Oh, well, thank you for great questions. Hey, I can't give out great insight unless I have a host who knows what questions to ask. That's a wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. Joining us now is psychic medium, Miss Karen Reese. You can learn more about Ms. Reese by going to her website at K-A-R-Y-N Reese, R-E-E-C-E dot -E -E com. 
Miss Reese, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for being with us today. Well, thank you for having me, and all the deaf people say thank you too. We got a bunch of people starting to come in. Yes. Oh, well, I hope that uh, <laughs> I hope they have a good time and they enjoy it. As far, and they don't mock me either. <laughs> <laughs> no dead hand jokes, right? No pun intended. <laughs> as far our focus today is about death and helping people recover and heal. One of the first things I noticed about your blog is you answer the question, could you have done something to prevent someone's death? I was wondering if you could please elaborate on that because some people, they've lost someone close and they raise, they, their mind races, you know, could they have prevented it? Was the tragic experience that they had, was that something that was inevitable that would have manifested in another form? You know, that's a really good question. I get asked that a lot and I tell people, you know, regardless of circumstances, there's a greater power at force. Typically, before we incarnate, we usually have a framework or an understanding of how we may pass away, or we may have a couple of choices. In the event of a, trage- a tragedy, that's something beyond our ability to stop. And I tell people, each person, however they pass, is responsible for their own passing. So there isn't much that a person can do. I know oftentimes a person may feel helpless. If only I told my son not to go out and get milk at 12 o'clock at night, he may not have been hit and killed. And I tell people, you know, you can't look at it that way. You're looking at it from the more humanistic point of view. Things do happen for a reason. And at some higher consciousness, we all have a hand or at least an understanding of the way that we're going to go. So I always tell people, you can't change it. You know, I mean, you can try to change your own life, but... When it comes to other people's lives, whether it's somebody that accidentally overdoses, I just had that happen um, earlier today. I had a client and her son had overdosed, and she asked me the same thing. I wish I could have done something, and I said, you shouldn't feel guilty because that was his ultimate choice. Um, And unfortunately, it led to his passing, but again, that had nothing to do with you. You know, God gives us our own responsibility, our own free will, so whether or not we cause our own passing directly or indirectly, we go out at night and somehow we get hit by a car at some level, there's a responsibility on each person. And it doesn't mean it's a bad thing to have that responsibility, but that's just the whole point of coming to Earth. You know, you come here, you learn, and you have the responsibility to, you know, stay or go to uh, on you. Sure, and people are always saying, well, well, we hear this a lot, that oh, God has a plan. There's some big masterful plan that is in play. Uh, I guess the question is, can that plan be modified and tailored mm-hmm. to be less painful and to be more joyful and to not have to uh, encompass a tragic event that death, uh, brings forth when it does occur suddenly? You know, there are different reasons for different ways of going about it. In some instances, yes, you can make changes. You know, you'll be given like a framework, um, but not always in every case. You may have a passing, say, in a tragic way, um, say, you know, you're hit by a car, and that may have some sort of karmic connection that in a prior lifetime, you might have been driving a, a horse and buggy, and you may have accidentally killed somebody, so it's almost like a karmic. And by the way, karma doesn't always mean it's negative. You can also have good karma, just for the record. Um, there are other instances, too, though, where you can have a choice, and, you know, as far as how you're going to pass and say, okay, you know, I know I'm a druggie, I've had a near death, or I know I can die because of this, and I have the choice if I keep doing what I'm doing, um, I'm going to eventually succumb to, say, an overdose, where if I make a change now, 
I can offset that. So, you know, it just depends. And that's something that you may not be aware on a conscious level, more subconscious. And it's something that at some level with your guides or prior to incarnating that you've sort of looked at. So certain situations, you can get away with it. I always tell people, you know, you get a handful of times in your life that you'll go out of body in your dream state and your guides might say, well, if you want to, you know, come to this side, you know, you've done all that you need to do and you may opt out and say, no, I still want to stay on earth. Um, and then you'll eventually get to a certain point where it's like, okay, enough is enough. You need to come here. And so you might get struck by lightning. How freaky is that? And, you know, you're on to the other side. So prior to that, you had some choices, but ultimately at some point when it's your time, you know, it's your time. Right now, if a per- how can a person increase their awareness of what that plan is? Can they do something right now mm-hmm. again, to increase their sensitivity to what their soul plan is, to maybe kind of get an idea of where they're going, and are people maybe able to get to the point where their perception increases and they realize, okay, oh my God, now I get it. I'm here. I'm, something horrible is supposed to happen to me at, at so-and-so point in my life. I now have the capability of changing it or doing things differently. How is that possible, or is it possible? It is possible. I'll tell you a very personal story that you'll appreciate, which was very recent. Um, The way to make that connection is to meditate, quiet your mind. And everybody thinks, I can't meditate. I'm getting nothing out of it. My mind races. Well, sure, it races, but that doesn't negate that you're not receiving the benefits of meditation. Even if you do a five-minute meditation saying the word peace, now you might say, oh, my God, i got to go clean the house. i got to go run to the mailbox, whatever. But you bring it right back to that mantra. You're still starting to make the connection. You're trying to find like a radio wave to the other side. And over time, you'll start to get those hunches. There's no such thing as coincidence. Geez, I was thinking of red shoes. It's winter. And I just drove by a store and right in the window I saw a pair of red sandals. No such thing as coincidence. The other thing you can do is when you go to your sleep state, before you fall asleep, you can start saying, you know, I will like to expand my psychic abilities. Or you can say something to the effect, I would like to know my path. Um, I would like to know my path in, in this life. And in your dream state, keep a journal by your bed. And before you put your feet on the floor, when you first wake up, so if you wake up at, you know, 6 o'clock or 4 o'clock, write whatever impressions you get. You make it, you know, something very symbolic. Um, you might hear, like, Christmas music, and that may have a connection to what you're doing. You might say, geez, I swear I spoke to my, you know, Grandpa Jack. Um, you might have, like, a more stranger scenic, you know, connection and write that down. And then you can look up the symbolism if you can't figure it out. The other thing I tell people, you know, when it comes to your path in life, always look at what you daydream about. That's one of the easiest ways. To, to look at what is one of your paths. And there's no one path or two paths. You know, people think, you know, just like there's my, what do they call it, soulmate. And I tell people, you know, we have multiple connections for different reasons in a lifetime. But if you look at your daydreams, if you dream like you've always wanted to be on stage and sing, you know, that's something that you may want to pursue. If you look at, you know, what you're passionate about, you know, I love animals. So one of my things in this life is to look at, laws to try to make it harder for animal abusers um, to be punished as well to, you know, work with animals and things along that, you know, so passions and dreams, those will give you those identities. Um, Getting back to can you change things or modify, you know, um, your potential destiny to the other side, 
couple of weeks ago, my husband and I we were walking in Lowe's. It was Easter Sunday, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And he had fallen earlier in the morning. Didn't think anything of it. He was a little sore. But as we're walking in, I heard something to the effect, uh, the effect as I'm looking at the magazines, just as we were going into the entrance, something to the effect is he's going to have a near-death experience. And I'm like, I didn't invite that guy. Who's telling me that? I'm like, really? So, you know, we had dinner. Everything was normal. Well, right around quarter of 12 that night, he's like, I need to get to the hospital. I don't feel good. I said, why don't we go down to Buffalo General? And he goes, no, no, I want to go to Millard. I like Buffalo General. They have a stroke center. I'm like, I think you need to go there. He didn't tell me what he, you know, he didn't feel good. I assumed it was his back. I took him to Millard, which is out in the burbs. Well, they ended up sending him to Buff General. He had two mini strokes, and he came within inches of dying, and he had a mild heart attack, which is really weird. Oh, my God. Yeah, but what I did was I said my prayers. I, I say this one prayer to the Holy Mother. I'm not a Catholic. You know, I'm a spiritualist, but I've met Mother Mary and Jesus and Buddha and whatever else. Um, and I've had in your death myself. So anyways, I said my prayers. I do believe in the power of prayer because he was in really rough shape. I mean, he had too many strokes and a heart attack, a mild heart attack. And they said, you know, we didn't expect him to make it. You know, he was in the hospital for two weeks. So... You know, it just goes to show you, I said my prayers and I, you know, moved around that energy, you know, so there is something to be said about the power of prayer and belief. And also, you know, I had a choice, or at least he had a choice on a soul level. He could have stayed or he could have gone. He opted in. He probably has a couple more, op, you know, options, but at some point, you know, when it's his time, like my time or your time, we'll go. But there's something to be said about that. It's pretty amazing. I want to come back to... um Thank you for sharing that. And I want to just mention something to our listeners about these prayers that you said. You said you, you weren't Catholic. You said mm-hmm. certain prayers. You know, I think that's the second or third time that may have come up. And to those who are listening out there, you may not be Catholic. You may not be a part of any particular organized religion. But those prayers that have been said, the past of what they have said, is it, is it comfortable to say that those prayers carry a power to them? or residual energy to them because they've been said so many times by so many people that even if you do not believe in the particular faith, by uttering the words in the sequential order for which they appear in those particular prayers, does that kind of carry a momentous wave that when you match those words with your intentions, that they can actually, let's say, improve the situation or put you on a path of a miracle? Exactly. There, And you just hit it right on there. You have, you know, um, consciousness is grouping together. Thoughts are things. And what did Jesus say? If two or more people meet and talk about, you know, the Father God or Jesus or whatever, his energy appears and the energy gets stronger. And there's something to be said about that. As I tell people, you know, when it comes to religion, I think religion is good. I have a very multi-faith um, family, although my mother's father, Irish Catholic, need I say more. And, and that's just like that it's <laughs> both my mom's parents, grandma and grandpa. Not just because they saw the spirit stuff. I used to drink the spirits. That would be the Celtic side. But I was just saying, <laughs> liquid spirits and then some. But um, I always tell people, you take the best and leave the rest. Because I do believe when you have group consciousness, however you want to express it. And I believe that's all true with any kind of, you know, religions or school thoughts. You have rituals. And, and all that does is it just brings the group consciousness together. But that actually strengthens that connection. So if you say a prayer that's been repeated many times over, you'll make, you know, you'll have amazing results. And I do believe in miracles. I've seen them. I've seen Jesus. I've seen Josh Portrait. I've met him. You know, Mother Mary, another. But Jesus, like, is he pretty cool? 
Yeah, you know, in um, high school, he used to walk in, well, I was a kid, he'd walk in my room. I drew a portrait of him because I was artistically gifted. Mother Mary, I've seen her. <laughs> I've had out-of-body experiences where I've seen Jesus. And again, I wasn't raised um, in the church. I mean, I know about it. I told my mother, you know, God gave me a brain. I don't need the church or the rabbi or the minister, which we have, you know, in her family. But they were all psychics. So we never did church per se. I mean, we went to a few things, but, you know, I didn't have to, you know, do that. But, um, you know, it's just kind of interesting because, again, you take the best and leave the rest. And you can learn something from everybody and from every school of thought. Okay. And we've talked in the past and, you know, you've mentioned that you communicate or communicate regularly with people who have crossed over. What do some of the most common things that people say when they've crossed over? And also, do you get to a point where you are, for whatever reason, no longer to communicate with people who have departed because their spirit has gone on and evolved in different planes of existence. Like, you only have a limited period of time to facilitate communications with people who have crossed over. You know, from my experience, I mean, I've read probably thousands of people. I've had all different types of experiences. For instance, I had somebody in today, and I said, oh, your mom said you were just at a funeral yesterday for a friend's father. Is that correct? And she said yes, and um, or a friend's husband, rather, and she said, oh, yeah, yeah, she, you know, she, I didn't know the husband that well, but I knew the wife, and I said, yeah, his name is Tom, he's right here, she said, that's him, and so he looks pretty good, you might want to call his wife and let her know that he arrived safely, and she was a little surprised, she goes, he just died, like, literally two days ago, yesterday they had the wake, and today they buried him, and, um, you know, I said, well, there, you know, different people, different strokes for different folks, I've had people die the same day, I've had people that have died years ago, um, sometimes you get distant relatives, like a great-great. I had a great-great-grandmother today who came in. Um, I've also had strange experiences. I had one not too long ago. This young girl, well, she's probably about 45 now, but she had passed 25 years ago. This woman came in. I never read her. I still have a sister-in-law here. Her name is Kelly. And Jim, and she was asked my husband, or my husband's brother, I said, Kelly's telling me that they ignore her. They totally ignore her, the whole family. She has two brothers, your husband and, and Jim, and those two are fighting. She goes, yeah, my husband and his brother are fighting. What had happened? And after Kelly had passed by a car accident 25 years ago, the parents ended up turning, you know, pictures down. They took all the pictures off the wall. For the parents, I understand that for them it was too much to constantly see Kelly. It was too much of a hole in their house, so they totally wiped her slate clean, whereas Kelly's like, you're ignoring me. <laughs> and she was pissed about it. And I'm like, you know, wow. people don't change, yeah. And she says it's the strangest thing. The parents never talk about her. I said, well, Kelly's pretty upset about that. And you can tell them that. <laughs> she knows. It's kind of funny how that is. Well, yeah, but you, you can't imagine how people can cope with something like that. And the loss is so great and so deep. And curious, when you're facilitating communication with people who have crossed over, do you ever encounter people who are in places of heaven as well as people who are in kind of hellish places? Do people who are experiencing pain and suffering? Do, well, I'm just curious, like, what are the the ones that are in hell say to you? And is there how do you know that they're communicating with you from hellish place? Are they um, what's, what's the frequency like and what's the experience like? That's a great question. I just talked about something today, which is kind of interesting. This has happened a few times. Um, there's different levels above and different levels below. Where we typically associate heaven with is where most of us will go. We'll have the best restaurants, great casinos. People say, "Are you serious?" I go, "Yeah, the niceties we have here originates on the other side." I've walked on water, which you hear in the Bible, which, and the water's like cartoon blue. It's like colors that are out of our skin. When I've gone out of body, and as a kid, I'd always go to different levels of help, 
um, one of the planes I remember seeing, it looks very urban. It's probably 7 o'clock at night where it's kind of dark. It's rainy. You know, a lot of people are by themselves walking around, you know, and it's a very lonely, cold feeling. Then there's even a deeper and darker side. There's one level that can be ultimate. And I remember this gatekeeper, and it's very urban. It's like these big urban doors that open up almost like um, steel industry. You would look in, and I would see all these demonic, whatever you call it, beings, stoking a fire, hearing people screaming. And this old African-American gentleman, he looked like Santa Claus. He had gray hair. Numerous times as a kid, he used to say, you can't go in there. So there's at a certain point where either the ultimate hell or the second one above it, you cannot go in there, and they cannot come out because these humans that are there are so heinous. Um, where there have been times, and I had an instance about three weeks ago, I want to say, this man by the name of Michael Kamen, and I said, oh, your sister's here, and she's telling me she'd been murdered, and she left a 10-year-old boy, and her name is whatever it was at the time, Lisa, and he goes, and he starts falling up, and I said, oh, this is even weirder. She's telling me she's got um, Ed with her, which she's telling me is her husband that killed her. He looked shocked. And it turned out it was a murder-suicide. And he goes, I can't believe she's got her husband here. He said, wait a minute, let me find out. As it turned out, she made Ed come in. Now, he's not um, sharing the same space where his sister's, Michael's sister was. But he came in because Michael's sister, I think her name was Lisa or whatever it was, forced him to apologize to her brother. And he kept putting his head down. Um, the feeling that I was receiving from him was very lonely, cold, um, a really sad place mentally and emotionally, which I think sometimes is even worse than the actual physical dimension that he was in. And she brought him in. She was able to bring him to make amends with her brother. Um, and that happened one other time in a murder case, too, which is weird. It was a boyfriend-girlfriend thing. But... Um, he relayed to me, you know, I was terrible. Um, when I looked at him, he had a darkness around him. I could see him like a human, obviously, but he had like a lot of darkness in his aura. Um, the mm. feelings were just, um, if you could ever have the worst depressing, disappointing, angry, negative day, that's sort of what I was experiencing on a larger scale. And when you pass and you're a negative person, things get magnified. Um, I've had another instance where... And this is actually funny. I'll never forget. My first reading was an FBI agent. My last reading of the day was a daughter of a mob um, killer. And her father came in. I'm like, that's coming full circle. You know, I have like the FBI at the beginning. And my last appointment was this um, father who was very heavily involved in a mob. And looking at him, and it's funny, sometimes you can look at evil people, even on the earth plane, and I can see like horns coming out of their head because they're pure evil. And this guy was definitely there. Oh, yeah, it's kind of creepy. And I mean, you can look at certain politicians and see some seediness. But he came in. Um, he was very angry, very, very angry, though he was polite to me because I had a guide there. And he wanted to connect with his daughter. And I think for him it was more of a hell that he wasn't in the living with his daughter and that he was in hell and he was suffering. I mean, he came in and he, you know, he was still very angry, which is weird because you would hope that somebody would redeem themselves and start to realize, you know, what you did was wrong. But um, he was just more angry about, you know, not having, you know, the ability to live in the physical and he was in a very bad place. So 
you know, it all depends. The other thing is if you don't believe in God and you turn your back on God and God does exist or you want to play with more negative occult things, you're going to likely attract to one of those lower levels when you cross over. And one thing I really love about uh, your work is that you're very passionate about animals, which we are on the show as well. And you really do address the fact that there are some people who just abuse animals horrifically. Um, I'm curious to know, does that accelerate your uh, ideas? Right? Does animal, does abusing animals accelerate your ability to get into hell? What are some of the things that w- that you you could do to put yourself right in hell, or almost guarantee you're going to get to hell when you die, oh, or some hell? Yep. If you harm animals or if you harm, you know, children, um, sexual abuse is a problem. You'll definitely go to hell because you really stay in a person's soul that can sometimes take lifetimes to sort of erode. You know, they may not exhibit, you know, a sexual issue um, to the extent that you would think if they've been abused in one life, but in their next life, they may be frigid. You know, they may be, you know, asexual or they may act out on it because we carry a lot of our lifetimes. When you abuse animals, I can't tell you countless times for me psychically, especially at night when things are quiet, I start to hear a lot of dead people, I get stuff psychic, and I can hear animals that are being hunted, you know, just gurgling in blood and the cries, and I hear them emotionally as they transition out of their bodies, and I think, how would I feel if I'm running as a deer and somebody's trying to shoot at me? I don't understand the sport of it. You know, everything has a living connection to it, and we're all connected. Um, and that to me is more painful. Like, I really don't believe in euthanasia for animals. Look, we don't kill off old people. We don't kill, kill off all these extra kids in the world. Why are we euthanizing these animals? You know, try to spade as much as you can and open up, you know, as many farmlands as you can. That's what my, my, my thought is. But, you know, you see things. It's just, you know, and they're here to teach us. Animals are far more evolved spiritually. And they're far more tuned in psychically. And, you know, we're supposed to be their protectors on Earth. Ms. Karen Reese, psychic medium. I want to thank you so much for your time to learn and great insight. To learn more about Ms. Karen Reese and to get a reading with Ms. Karen Reese, please go to our website at Karen, K-A-R-Y-N, Reese, R-E-E-C-E dot com. Thank you so much, Ms. Reese. Thank you. And you've got some good energy, too. Thank you. Joining us now is internationally known bestseller and psychic medium, Miss Joyce Keller. You can learn more about Miss Keller by going to her website at JoyceKeller, K-E-L-L-E-R dot com. Miss Keller, our focus of today is death. And curious to know from your perspective, what are some of the most common misconceptions that people don't realize about it? And what are some of the messages that you get when you facilitate communication with people who have departed from the physical reality? What a great question, Ryan. First of all, thank you for having me on. That's really a great, great pleasure. And I think the greatest misconception about death is that that we die. And I don't think that's true at all. I think there's a transition, there's a change, and you go from one state to another. I have to admit there are some people who do sleep on the other side for a long time, and it's almost like a death state. I do do think there's... um, something like that but that's we mean they're they're just not what they don't communicate they're not active right it could be they just choose to sleep the the earth may have been such a traumatizing experience for them ryan that they choose just to kind of kick back for a while and stay in a sleep state they could sleep for an earth time three years four years it's an indefinite period of time until the soul feels like dealing with uh the transition 
That usually happens to people who are non-believers, people who feel that nothing happens after death. You know, they're really, they're really not prepared for this. So they go to sleep. But the ones who have had a degree of awareness and feel that, that we're okay with the death situation and they're prepared to go, cross off very quickly, smoothly, and easily, and they're happy and joyful. And I think the um, one of the greatest movies ever made was Defending Your Life. I don't know if you ever saw it, Ryan, but it's, yep. it's a terrific movie, and it just shows they are happy. And the sadness is all here, and it's really unnecessary. So I just wanted to uh, preface our conversation with that. Well, you, know, you made an interesting point that so a spirit has a traumatic life experience, and they sleep. And, and well, or basically they, they hold on. But if they're in eternity, if they're in a place where time does not exist, wouldn't that imply that their sleeping would mean that linear time does some way, shape, or form progress in eternity? Or do spirits that are in an eternal-like state, can they actually reincarnate into time frames that are before our perceived perception of time? We're in the year 2016 as of right now. But can a spirit that is in, in, in eternity or in the spirit world decide that it can actually pick up a valuable lesson by reincarnating in an earlier lifetime at, say, the 1600s? That's a Does terrific, it still have that option? A terrific question. I don't even know where to begin answering it, though. I guess the, you, you mentioned about 1600s. Could they go back in time? Is that Yeah, because if they're in eternity and, ti- and timeless, well, I mean – it seems like that we're in this reality because of uh, because of the illusion of time. Yeah, it's not really an illusion. It's an illusion. Illusion isn't quite right. It's more like there's a calendar here, but there isn't really a good one over there. It's it's really our our reality of it. Um, as far as going back in time, like going back, say, to an earlier time, like the 1600s, like you asked. I don't think that would be progressive. I don't think that the um, angelic forces that kind of control the whole uh, time framework would want that to be for maybe just for a short period of time. It might be possible just for a short expression of time, but really not in the long run. I don't think that would be good. Maybe uh, why would they do that if we're moving forward, and hopefully we are. Now, you indicated that, when we spoke yesterday, you're not so sure that we're moving forward and evolving. Was that right? Yeah, well, I don't know. I, I mean, this idea that we're evolving or de-evolving, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I can't say I'm a, I'm authority on, on either one. I just like to think that if there's, if there's a choice between an evolution in peace and an evolution in pain, I think people would maybe a lot of people would choose the evolution of peace, but if you look at the collective outside reality for which we're living in, it seems that we are being collectively driven towards a reality of pain and suffering because the responsibility of choice is being systematically stripped from the individual, and the individual seems to be becoming less relevant. So um, I don't know where we are. I don't know if this is a a repeating cycle for evolution or this is something that's, that's just temporary for this physical life incarnation. So Why do you I, think I say, that we're going? You said that they might be devolving or going. Yes, when people experience death, what are some of the things they're likely to see and experience when the event actually occurs? Oh, it's so phenomenal! I've had a couple of uh, near-death experiences. Uh, I think they're going to be published very soon, but they're also written about in some of my books. And you know, I'm out there and I'm talking about it. 
And the fact is that once you have anything even remotely resembling a near-death experience, and it gets you away from the physical gross energy of what we're experiencing every day, you realize that death is really to be welcomed and not feared. It's a joyful experience. And people who have genuine near-death experiences do not want to come back to the earth. They will do anything not to come back because they usually come back into a damaged body or back to the challenges of the earth, and it's really not not that great. It's very, very difficult to be on the earth. It's like the most difficult school in the universe. So, Is it really? Absolutely. But it's also a wonderful school. You know when you go through a very difficult school curriculum and you graduate and you say, John, that was really rough, but look, I, I graduated and I, look at what I, I learned. I, I did so well. So the earth is that kind of a school. So it's a great privilege to be here, but it's also glorious to move beyond and away from it and out of it. And as we were discussing, I think it was yesterday, Ryan, people who, and this is one of the most difficult subjects of all, but I wanted to address it because it's such a thorn in my side, and yet I feel so bad about it. Um, People who lose loved ones feel obligated to go to the cemetery, sometimes on a daily basis or frequently or on holidays like Easter or Passover and whenever they're going, and they bring flowers and all, which is all very nice. It's a lovely tribute. But the fact is that the person who has crossed over doesn't want to go back to that decaying body. doesn't want to go back to the sadness that is in all cemeteries. It's a place of low energy. And every time you go to the cemetery to pay your respects, which is very nice, that entity is drawn back to their body, which they really do not want to be connected with anymore. They're in a glorious place. And they see your sadness. And they see you putting flowers in the grave. You know, and it's, it's really not a good situation. So um, my message, which is very counter to what society believes, is... Cemeteries are not good. <laughs> Just kind of, um, if you're going to pay your respects, do it in the comfort of your own home or do it someplace where you have a candle. Well, that kind but of what if you, you miss that person? You have somebody you love so much. And it's easy. I'll tell not... you what's much better. Get a nice okay. picture of them. This is what I did with Jack, my, my husband and co-worker and <laughs> co-host and co-author <laughs> of my books. And he really, we were wonderful parents to wonderful children. We had a great life. So when he left um, about a year ago, I, I personally can only share with you what I believe. I, I would have a photograph of that person smiling. I have a lovely picture of him smiling. And I have it out. And I even have one with him with radio headphones on, which is how I choose to remember him. It's right in front of me. And that makes me happy to see it. And I know it also makes him happy because he loved having headphones on. And uh, you can say prayers, direct them into the light. You say, please go further into the light. They have three opportunities usually when they cross over to go into God's light, into the clear light. And it becomes dimmer and dimmer. Eventually, if they keep refusing to go into God's light and they choose to stay back, it can become what we know as a haunting or you know one of those situations. But even in that situation, eventually... God will come for them or send angels and say, come on, you've been here a hundred years, that's enough. And they usually do move on. So the uh, prayers are very helpful. And we need to say, go to the light. I love you. Thank you for everything. You are 
wonderful part of my life. Now, do you agree with that or not? I, I suspect not. I have to tell you, it's not a matter of agreeing or not agreeing. It's wanting to believe in the, the best solution possible. But I have to say that I, I, unless I experience it firsthand, I can't say with any conclusion. And that's what I want people out there listening to know is that um, you know it's up for you. You have to experience it for yourself. I, I would like to think that what you just said that is true, though. Oh, thank you. Jack comes to me all the time. He did almost immediately. And he doesn't really offer much in the way of help. Uh, I think that's funny. Can you please relate to something that you, you, you know, Jack, your husband knows all these things about your life. And when you ask him real serious questions, like, you know, where, where are the bills? And, you know, what about this stuff? And like real important stuff. Exactly. He, he kind of laughs it off and he's like, well, you know, hey, by the way, you know, I'm playing poker in heaven or something, right? Mm. Doesn't he say something like that? Not, not poker exactly, but he's having a, a very lovely time. He tells me all the people he's with. What he tells me, Ryan, is not to worry that it will be resolved. And I can see that as we speak, things are resolving, but it, it's taking more than a year now. And because of our judicial system and, you know, the mortgage situation in the country, uh, banks are more than thrilled to take your home from you. So he's aware of the situation, and he says it will be resolved, but he doesn't give me particulars because he may not know or he may not be uh, able to tell me. I think there are restrictions in what uh, spirits are able to share with us. They have to work with our personal destinies, and they can't really overstep the boundaries of what they're allowed to say and do. So I respect that also. I know if he could help me, he would. And to a large degree, he has, because it's so funny. I have to share one very, very funny thing that happened, and this has happened a number of times. You know, our mates ideally sleep next to us in bed, and Jack and I had that wonderful experience in many years of uh, sharing the same bed. And about a week ago, he came to me and he said, I don't know why you, you insist on telling me that I'm not there. He said, I'm, I'm really more there than ever. He said, if you just look, you'll see me right there. And I'm sleeping. So I said, you know, you, I don't know what that dream state is called. It's uh, reality dreaming and uh, lu- uh, lucid dreaming. Lucid dreaming. Right, it was lucid dreaming, exactly. So he says, if you just look, you'll see me next to you in the bed. So I wake up out of this deep sleep, and I look, and of course he's not there. And he says, don't you see me? And I said, I don't see you physically, but I can see you with my psychic vision. You know? So it's it, he really, I think in many cases, they, they have a problem, too, in uh, not understanding why we're not able to see them. So I wanted to share that with you also. But I said, look, we're not going to argue about this. We never argued when you were here. and We really never did, and we're not going to argue now. Do you think that... Uh, by absorbing as much information as you can or putting as many ideas as you can into your mind in this life incarnation about the idea of an afterlife or the idea of your spirit continuing, does that make you more comfortable, more familiar, or more easier to navigate once you arrive there yourself? Well, I'll, I'll answer that by telling you that my cousin – my cousins are all very close to me and I'm close to them – and one of my cousins, my cousin Donald, lost his wife a month after I lost Jack. Donald has zero, absolutely no communication with his wife at all. He is distraught. And he's, I don't want to say he's jealous of me, but once in a while I give him like a little hint of, uh, you know, what, what I'm able to share with Jack. And he says, please, this is a man now who never really believed in any of this. 
suddenly, because he lost his wife for many years, he's suddenly the biggest uh, spiritual fan in the world. <laughs> he wants communication. So, but, but you know, I don't know the point of what I'm making, except for the fact is that I'm very, very fortunate. I don't have the, the grief that, that many people have. I've experienced little or no grief because of my uh, connection to the other side. So, I mean, I miss my husband. I miss him helping me pay bills and, you know, with practical information like that. But um, because I have this continuous contact, I'm very fortunate. So I don't know if that answers the question, but it's, it's much better than having no communication at all. Those people are really suffering. So is that what you what you asked me? Yes, and then another thing I wanted to know is what are – sorry, let me do this. Three, two, one. You'd mentioned that this reality, Earth, is a one of the t- toughest schools for evolution. On other areas of evolution, is there something called death where you make a transition? So if you're having an evolution on all of the planets, all other dimensions, do you still have to experience a transition like type death type scenario? in order for you to go to your next phase of evolution? That's an almost impossible question to answer. And also, if okay. I were a huge egotist, which I don't think I am, I'd be able to try to tackle it. I would say that I know this is true on the Earth, and I'm sure there are many Earths in our universe and the other universes out there, and that, that anything is possible. I think that this is especially harsh here. I can only speak about what we know about for sure here. This is especially harsh that... Uh, death process, which there are usually four ways of, of passing on into the next dimension, and one of those is a slow uh, process, usually occurring you know, in a hospital or a hospice or something like mm-hmm. that. Those are the most difficult cases. The, the ones that go over quickly are usually joyful for them, shocking for us. So I only can tell you that I know this is true on the Earth, that there are these four basic types of death experiences. And they're really all ultimately joyful once a person is, is out of that body. I was telling you, I saw my dad leave his body, and he went from suffering uh, you know, for many days in a hospital to suddenly leaving, and he was so happy when he left, and there was this huge puff of smoke that left through his uh, solar plexus. And uh, the people who were in the room with us, there were some nurses and some other people in the hospital, they all saw it. And I said, do you people see this from time to time? They said, we, we don't see it a lot, but we see it from time to time. So it's a definite leaving of the uh, the body, and it usually takes two or three days to leave completely. But it can be uh, very quick in the beginning, and then it leaves gradually and gradually, gradually until it's all gone. So I think that uh, walking experiences are possible. They're very rare, but they are possible. I think that, you know, I don't even remember what your question was, but it was about dimensions having the experience of death as we have here. Yes, yeah, experience they have here. And there's the final uh, question is death more likely to occur once your soul has learned everything it needs to learn for this evolution or can you have instances where your soul learns the fundamental lessons but is staying around for extra innings or just for other fun, pleasurable experiences. And if that is the case, does your soul risk the chance of having a negative experience that could potentially shift it back 
for another life incarnation because it is theoretically speaking added another burden to its uh, life lessons that it shouldn't have to learn. What a good question. Only an Thank Aquarian you. mind would come up with questions like this. <laughs> I have to say, Ryan, that usually, to my understanding, the way it works is that when you have finished learning everything and you have fulfilled your karmic destiny of what you were sent here to do, which you know about before you were born, and you have used your free will as much as you can, and you don't have any more free will, you don't have any more karmic destiny to work out, you're zapped off in a heartbeat. Again, talking about my husband, he left in under a minute. He went from laughing and joking with me and having fun with me, and then he was gone in a heartbeat. Same thing is true with my mother, many other people. They leave in under a minute. They're in the middle of a conversation, and they're gone. So their karma is just finished. So for them to stay, you're asking the question, if they choose to stay, can they? Probably not. And if they do, do they incur new karma? It's possible. Okay, so you know that's going to actually add to the bonus question, which is that if the universe is trying to teach you a lesson, and you know that the universe is trying to teach you a lesson, can you, theoretically speaking, actually prolong your life by saying, you know what, Nat, I'm not going to learn it right now. I'm going to hold off. And like wait till you're 80 and then decide, okay, I'm going to learn that lesson, and then boom, done. Thinking that that could be the lesson that you're supposed to learn. Okay, you can do that. You can put it off, but in most cases, you don't know about the lesson. Okay. I'll tell you that when we moved, again, this is a personal experience. I hope you don't mind if I share it, but you know that it's true because yep. I personally experienced it myself. When we moved to this very lovely place where I'm living now, uh, about 10 or 11 years ago, Jack was supremely happy here. He had, We live in, by a marina, and he loved boats and the New York skyline. He was extremely happy here. So my guides came and told me one night that it was his time to go, and we had only been living here a couple of weeks, actually. So I said, look, this is ridiculous. You, you, you cannot do this. And I, I actually, I don't want to say I made a deal with them, but I actually begged them. I said, don't take him now. They said, okay, we'll give you 10 years. And they were gone. It was like, you know, if you remember the story of Rumpelstiltskin or you know, any of these stories that we know from our childhood, there's an element of truth in all of them. It's like, oh, you, you can make deals and you can extend time and all. So they said, okay, 10 years. Well, of course, I forgot about it. Uh, you know, I never thought about it again. We were just having a wonderful time and eating out on our deck and just, you know, having a good time. Well, almost 10 years to the day, he left. He was gone and in a heartbeat. So they remembered. I didn't remember. I, you know, I, I guess on a subliminal level, like you and I were talking, Ryan, about the conscious mind. The conscious mind is really not brilliant. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> really, you don't even remember your dreams. <laughs> But if you could be regressed or down, go down to uh, theta or delta, one of the lower levels of consciousness, yeah. you remember everything. You remember past lives. You remember your dreams. You remember all the deals you made with God. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, you, everything comes to the surface. So I just wanted to share that with you. You, you can make a, a deal to a certain degree, and uh, I've done this many times in my life, and it's I guess it's done through the grace of God. You can do certain things. You can ask, and you, there's a certain bending of, of rules. And the point is that this is a glorious place on the earth, and it's a place of it's a wonderful school. And crossing over is even more glorious. People have very little bad to say about the death experience. 
the people who come back or who communicate from the other side say this is really so much better than what you're experiencing there. But you can't rush it. Uh, and suicide is uh, not is highly not recommended because you're interfering with uh, divine order. So did, is that what? <laughs> yes, uh, you definitely Miss Joyce Keller, internationally known, best-selling author and psychic medium. We've had Miss Keller on our show before. You can we've actually posted some a link to some of her books on our site. Always a great pleasure. Really loved uh, our interview and uh, loved your points. You can learn more about Miss Joyce Keller by going to her website at JoyceKeller.com. Thank you so much for being with us, Miss Keller. Yeah, you know, Ryan, what can I say? Ryan McCormick, you're the best. Thank you so much, Ryan. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Joining us now is Miss Caridwin Fallingstar, author, priestess, and shamanic witch. We can learn more about Miss Fallingstar by going to her website at CaridwinFallingstar.com. Miss Fallingstar. Hey, Ryan. Hey, welcome Ple- back to the program. Pleasure to be back on the show. Thank you. From your experience, what can you tell us about death, crossing over, and the whole process? I mean, why is it? What are your thoughts? Well, I know we had, uh, you know, you and I talked a little bit about people communicating sometimes after they have crossed over that um, there's, there's many ways to connect with the dead. Um, in my tradition, we always have at Salon, which is Halloween, we always have a ritual where we take a journey to the Isle of Apples, which is what the Celts used to call the land of the dead, and we talk to our beloved dead when we're there. And we do that in the trance state. And that's something that I, you know, I, I take people on trance journeys individually, it's the same as hypnosis. I, I do that with myself as well. So I've had a lot of communication uh, with the dead, uh, particularly with my husband, who's been dead almost you know, 20 years, but we have had a lot of communication since he passed. One of, hey. the, one of the images he showed me once was that we were, uh, when we were alive, it was as if we were two icicles uh, together in a stream, looking like this beautiful carved glass. And then when death came, it was like spring, and there was this melt, and the, all of our particles just were joyously rushing along in the river, all intertwining with each other, and it was, it was total freedom. So we think in our culture of death being like winter, but in this, um, in this dream, he was showing me that, uh, that really death was liberation. It was like spring. It was death is liberation. For the, so is, from his perspective... Is the physical life that we are living in the tribulation? It's it's a big burden or something. Oh, I don't think so. No, no, not at all. People are, you know, I think spirits are lined up on the other side, <laughs> trying to get into a, a physical body because, you know, it's an opportunity to grow and to and to learn. And so, from a spirit point of view, there's there's no bad experiences or or good experiences per se. It's just all experience, and it's all good. Uh, so, so from an emotional point of view, of course, and a physical point of view, when we're in the body, it doesn't feel like that. If we're having a, you know, somebody we love dies, or if we should get sick, or we don't get the job we want, or all, all those, all those things seem um, pretty terrible to us when we're here. But from a spiritual point of view, it's all grist for the mill. It's all. Uh, it's all good for the evolution. You, know, you mentioned something earlier. I wanted to come back to you. You mentioned trans states. <laughs> And I was wondering if you can elaborate on trans states a little bit more, what they are and how people can access them before you. 
answer that question, I wanted to bring to our listeners' attention that there are various tracks that uh, you could probably listen to. They're called delta theta metronomes. And when you can listen to some of these frequencies, your brain will oscillate at a different uh, vibration. And we covered this in our interview with Dr. Jill Amon Wexler about what the brain can perceive on different brainwave frequencies. So, Ms. Falkenstar, when it comes to trance states, how do you access these trance states? Um, I usually create a trance tape for myself where I, I, I put on a tape recorder, you know, that I'm going to go into this state. And then in that state, it depends what I'm trying to do. If I'm, when I was writing my past life novels, I would go back down into those past lives and get all sorts of details about the lives uh, that I experienced there. If I'm wanting to go, say, talk to my husband, I might have a friend take me, you know, give me a trance induction, or I might just listen to it on a tape and do it myself. Okay, now when these words are, what are they initially doing? Are they uh, are they meant? Are they triggering your brain to oscillate a different uh, frequency? Are they words? Are they? I'm saying, are they are they words that are powerful that are casting a um, a spell? Shall we say that puts you in a, a different zone of thinking? Yeah, you know, hypnosis. I'm not. You know, I'm not sure how much research has been done about the. You know measuring what sort of brain state you're in, but I, I would be fairly confident that it's, it's different than your waking state. It's very similar to dreaming. You're basically dreaming awake. Uh, you're having all these images and pictures and hearing words uh, from the people in, in your trance. And so it's something, you know, we, we use usually a relaxation. First the, first the person's programmed to relax, and then uh, you either take them down, say, a set of uh, clouds of different colors or maybe up a set of stairs or, you know, there's some process. And sometimes you ring, uh, like, Tibetan bells at each step, which also then helps to, you know, synchronize the person's brain to help it go deeper. So you're basically okay. just trying to use your um, a little more of your right brain and a little less of that left brain that we use day to day. Now, are somebody, if somebody is an outsider, they don't understand how this process works, what are some of the quickest ways that they can learn about this and go into a trance state according to the ones that you've just described? Would it be going to your site? Would it be, are there any books they could particularly pick up to learn how to do this themselves? There's a, there's a great book uh, that's still out there called Self-Hypnosis in Two Days. Um, and I know there's some courses that you can take as well where you can learn it pretty quickly. You can also, I think, just buy uh, various trance tapes from various, um, people or various sites that would help you move into that state. But you can also, like I said, you can you can design your own. But you would probably have to listen to a couple to see how they work before before designing your own. You'd have to know something about the process. Okay. And we've been talking to teachers about increasing their perception with the expectation that they can receive messages or engage in communication with spirits, beings, departed loved ones who have passed, wanting to inquire to find out if there's anything that you would recommend that can be done to improve your perception, to improve your communication skills, and even even grow to communicate with people who have departed. Well, it was, as with any psychic development, um, any kind of addiction is really going to get in your way. You know, people who are using uh, drugs or alcohol... In a, in a, or even sometimes relationships in an addictive way, it, it uses up a lot of real estate in your brain. It kind of it kind of freezes parts of the brain, and it makes it uh, not very supple. It makes it very difficult then for you to experience altered states in a more natural 
format. You know, people become very addicted to, you have to have some big blast of a chemical uh, to shift. And so I would just caution people that, you know, we're in a very addictive culture and, you know, it's not a judgment, but it is something that's going to get in your way if you're looking for okay. a more subtle uh, kind of communication. Well, I'm just curious, like, what would be some of the things that would block you? Would uh, would alcohol be a blockage? Would marijuana be a yeah. blockage? Would, would Anything okay. that you use addictively, I think. Now, you know, it's not to say that you couldn't have an amazing experience on, say, uh, marijuana or, or a hallucinogen might kick open the doors of perception and really get you somewhere very interesting. Shamans have used some of those things for a long time. The difference is whether you're using it in a ritual fashion with that ritual intention or whether you're using it um, to shut down, to numb out, uh, to go away from yourself, which is the nature of addiction, is that it's actually, I would say addiction is almost anything you do instead of being in touch with your spirit. It's almost any compensation that you do because you're so depressed about not being in touch with your higher self. So it's learning how to how to get what you really want, which is that connection with spirit, instead of the compensation. Uh, which is the addiction. Certainly, I would recommend you know going to a good hypnotherapist or a good a good shaman. You know, when you're you're first starting out, you're gonna you're gonna need you're gonna need some help. This would be really taking on a lot for someone with no experience to try and make these communities. I mean, it might happen. It happens spontaneously all the time that people who've lost a loved one, that loved one comes and visits them in a dream, or they feel them nearby, or or something magical happens, some magical symbol is dropped on their doorstep. But if you wanted any kind of consistent capacity to communicate at will, you're probably going to have to learn from somebody. Now you said you spent quite a bit of time communicating with people who've crossed over it. Now, do you, if you talk to someone, can you actually get a sense of the spirits that are around them? And is that something that, that, that occurs? And if so... What are some of the common messages that spirits who cross over are trying to communicate with the majority of people that are on the planet right now? Usually, they're lo- you know usually they're looking for love, forgiveness, those, those things mostly, or just you know just connection. One time I was, I had my coven helping me after right after my father was killed in a car accident. I wanted to go and contact him in the other world, and so they were with me and supporting me, and I went and contacted him, and then another woman in my coven whose father had died recently said, "Oh, if you see him, you know," and she said his name, you know, has had him say hello. And I said, oh, wait, he's here right now. He wants to talk to you. Immediately, I just felt that spirit appear as soon as she mentioned it. And and he, I was very shocked when he, he said, ask her about schnapps. How's schnapps? I was like, schnapps? That's, that's, a, that's an alcoholic beverage. <laughs> like, I felt it very much <laughs> that this is what he's asking about. And I was like, well, I, I, don't, know how to, <laughs> I don't know how to tell you this, but he's asking about... Um, and she's, oh, oh, Schnapps is fine. Schnapps was the name of his dog. <laughs> and I had no idea that that was the case. Um, as I say, I just heard him ask about Schnapps and right away was like, oh my God, he's asking about alcohol. It was bizarre. It wasn't alcohol, it was the dog. That was doggy, that's you. <laughs> and so, so sometimes it's, a, it's, it's very interesting what, to, what comes out when I, if I am channeling for somebody else, that often there'll be some extremely specific information that. There's not too many ways that I could have accessed <laughs> that very extremely uh, specific information to the person that's okay. being dealt now, with. And then when you're facilitating communication for people who have crossed over, are you actually able to facilitate communication from 
there's spirits that have actually gone on to other evolutions or even planes of existence that are not even according or aligned to the physical dimension that we're in. You know, my, when I was talking with my father and the dead, he was showing me things like that were like that that were so beyond. It was just so beyond anything my brain could even begin to comprehend. It's like he could show it to me, but I didn't have any. Um, I just did, I didn't have any language for it. I didn't have any category for it. So I couldn't really bring it back in the sense of what's really going on. It was apparently a lot of things that that death wasn't like one state and life was another. It was a little more like the one thing I could bring back was the idea that it was sort of like mushrooms. You know how mushrooms, they come from this big mycelium, that's, uh, this web of root material that's in the earth. And the mycelium is always there, but the fruiting body of the mushrooms that comes up above the ground is only occasionally there. So it's like our spirits are always in that other world. And then they're sometimes also in this world. Uh, there's probably, yeah, multi-dimensions. He was showing me multi-dimensional stuff that was just pretty much beyond anything I could I could even begin to uh, grasp onto. So I, I think like Ursula Le Guin, the, the universe is not only stranger than we suppose, but stranger than we can suppose. Uh, I'm just curious, can we actually be in this reality by accident? Could our higher self capable, is our higher self capable of making a decision that's not correct and say, you know what, uh, this this physical life incarnation, probably not the best evolution. It should have gone somewhere else. Do you ever run into that? Do you run into spirits who found mm-hmm. themselves trapped here, almost like on a deserted island? Well, I haven't quite had that experience, but I've certainly had experience n- numerous times of doing work with people who are wondering why in the world they incarnated into the family they were in. And mm-hmm. when we go back to when they were making the decision in spirit, it pretty much always is that they had their last life, they were killed or died very suddenly. They were young. They were not very skilled done. And they just want to get back into life as quickly as possible. So they say, I'll take the first thing. I'll take the first thing that opens up. Trust me, you don't want to do that. Oh, wow. <laughs> get, get in the long line for the good parents. That's my advice. Oh my you might goodness. have to wait a little longer. But. Um, when somebody is taken, leaves the world, and they die suddenly, mm-hmm. are they more likely to reincarnate really quickly because yeah. of the trauma? Or, right. uh, But even if that was part of their soul plan, even if part of their soul plan was to have a predetermined death that would kind of take them out really quickly? Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I just, I've, seen the, I've just seen a number of cases where it seemed like people... Like a lot of people died in World War II in various, you know, tragic and <laughs> abrupt ways, and it seems like an awful lot of people I work with have, you know, that would be their last life often. It's in that okay. time period, and it's just not that long ago. So I think oftentimes people pop back in. On the other hand, you know, me myself, I, my last incarnation before this one ended in 1595, so I took a very long break. <laughs> and, uh, in between, in between lives, just on that last uh, round. So, uh, Miss Caradwin, Falling Star, I want to thank you so much. Really enjoyed our interview. Always enjoy our interviews together. To learn more about Miss Caradwin, Falling Star, please go to our website at theheartoffire.com. Thank you so much. Always fun to play with you, Ryan. Have a good evening. Joining us now is Miss Yona Brindis, metaphysical teacher, energy healer. She's also co-host of Heart Warriors Radio. You can learn more about Ms. Brindis by going to her website at transcodes.com. Ms. Brindis, as a teacher, what is your perspective on death and healing 
and what are some of the things that people can do to accelerate the process for which they heal on a deep soul level. Hey, Ryan, thank you for having me on your show. Well, this is a big question, and I know you have a whole um, series of, of experts and uh, and uh, uh, people here that have uh, you know their view on this. Um, what you're asking me is sort of the energetic view on death, and uh, and that will bring um, you know that brings in sort of the the the, the total view of uh, our existence or our being here uh, into focus for me. Um, and the way I see this is that we as, as humans here are um, spiritual or I prefer actually the term energetic beings that are having a physical experience. Okay. And so uh, within that uh, um, paradigm, the death, physical death is really just um, the, the end of a part of one part of uh, that existence. Um, namely the the part in us that exists here in in 3D in in time and space. Uh, from an energetic point of view, and this is quite uh, good news actually, we know that uh, the human, um, or, or let's let's put it this way, what we perceive as our being consists of uh, consists of many different layers, and that is the physical for one, the emotional, the mental, the spiritual, uh, the etheric. Uh, which which would be like the aura of a person, and then the energetic, which just to avoid sort of religious terms, but that would be more sort of the soul level of a person. And so the the uh, death or the end of the physical existence, which is the densest level of existence, is really just a very small um, part of of uh, the, the the experience, the overall experience that we have as energetic beings. So it's not really anything that uh, should dominate our experience here while we are alive. And this is where spiritual healing and uh, and energetic healing can really help people to reframe some of the fear of death that can sometimes dominate, um, you know, their, their entire, you know, actions, interactions, and, and the way they perceive their lives. You mentioned so many people, you're saying, well, this is the densest dimension. So, we, so you explain to someone, okay, we're multi-dimensional beings. Mm-hmm. Let's say, can you put it in a visual sense? Visually speaking, what does it mean that we're multi-dimensional? Well, I mean, there's actually uh, denser uh, dimensions than the third dimension, and that is the first and the second. <laughs> um, <clears throat> But like, uh, as far as like our perception and the way our neurological system is designed, we are designed to operate here as as, as physical beings uh, in in three D, which is you know uh, up and down, forward and backward, and uh, left and right. Okay, this, these are the three dimensions that we have, and the fourth dimension is the dimension that adds time to it. So we're like kind of in between third and fourth because we have a a, um, a linear uh, um, perception of time, but yet all of us know that time is also relative. Okay, so um, a, a, a denser level would be like if we were, uh, you know, just experiencing ourselves uh, sort of as a non-moving dot somewhere, you know, uh, that would have no choices and nothing. And so um, for, for for a, a three-dimensional experience, you know, we we experiencing linearity and duality as our reality. But if we 
can assume that there are parts of us that um, exist in other dimensions simultaneously. We are just uh, like with this body able to to perceive those three dimensions. In other words, there's uh, there's other parts of us that right now, as we you and I speak, you know, are also existing in 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 less denser, you know, higher vibratory dimensions, uh, and and also acting and perceiving things. And those are uh, these things that people perceive as um, maybe communication with the outer world or communication with their divine self or with their higher self or true self. Those are just all words that uh, represent um, uh, the, the perception of something of ourselves um, existing in a more timeless or, you know, like just to use simple terms here, you know, in outside of what we are perceiving. So in that unseen realm. And and this is um, something that uh, in the past has only been contextualized sort of in a religious context. Uh, but what we know, what we now know, you know, from uh, quantum mechanics um and uh, some of the newer uh, scientific research is that uh, these uh, uh, dimensions actually exist simultaneously and uh, that uh, it is merely our mind that has a problem with uh, perceiving them. So just because we can't perceive those um, uh, other dimensions, you know, in quotation marks, doesn't mean they're not there. It's just like with germs. You know, germs are always there, but we can't (laughs) see them. And it wasn't until it was... You know, that the, the microscope was invented when, um, you know, it, it could prove to us that it was there. And it's, just, it's the same with energies and dimensions. So, you know? as far as us existing on these other planes of existence, why are we only aware? I mean, in, in a, that, we're, that we're focusing on as a human being. Most people think that we're just human beings, and that's, and that's it. And also, when we die, do we gain total consciousness? The moment we separate from the mm-hmm. physical body and we become total spirit, do we become aware of all things and all lives? Is, is death in one way, shape, or form a liberator of the uh, ties that bind us to um, the sense that we are only a physical body? Yeah, I mean, those are really the central question for for us. You know, those are like a, a subject to, you know, thousands of years of philosophy. You know, what is the purpose of experiencing um, a, a such, such, you know, such a 3D, such a physical experience? Um, and uh, you will get different answers from different people. Someone who believes in a higher power will say, um, you know, um, this would be more in, in, in regards to your second question, you know, that uh, there is a purpose in experiencing the limitation of a 3D, which, um, you know, brings in mortality, that brings in the end of, of something um, as compared to the eternity that we are uh, experiencing as, um, you know, like a, um, I, I forgot how you called it just right now, but you know, like this, this oneness, you know, like um, being completely connected with with the allness of everything. So there can be there can be a cool experience, you know, that our souls um, choose to have simply because um, uh, it allows us to actually go through um, um, learning experiences that we wouldn't have if if we were. Uh, you know, in our eternal self. So, for instance, you know, to go through the fear of death, to go through the cycle of life, to 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 have children, uh, to have grandchildren. Those are all things that come with 
uh, 3D, you know, including pain, including love. Those are emotions that really only exist here in this in this dimension. And so uh, I can see that uh, for someone who believes in a higher power that uh, and who believes that there is a, l- a life after death, so to speak, an existence after death, the answer could be that uh, there is um, there's an opportunity to go through something that we wouldn't. And for me, you know, I mean, I know you like this uh, sort of out of the box, outer limit type of thinking. For me, for me, it's always been like I've, I've always seen my soul self basically, you know, like browsing through a catalog, you know, before getting incarnated here into this world and picking, you know, the kind of experience that I want to have, <laughs> you know, picking the according parents, you know, and the siblings and the place where I, 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 I'm I born into, you know, sort of as that karmic component. You know, I want to add these and these ingredients, like picking a cruise, you know. So I want my life to be like this, and I want to experience this. And in the moment I get born, I lose all memory of this. So it can only be authentic if I don't know that actually everything's actually going to be fine after I'm dead. Now, for someone who doesn't believe in higher power and who doesn't believe in anything that that um, is uh, contained after the physical death, this is of course not something uh, uh, um, that that, that uh, works within the the paradigm and belief structure that this person has, and so uh, the experience itself cannot be contextualized any other way than it hasn't uh, than that it hasn't beginning and the end. But my personal beliefs. And from what I see, right, like like literally see as an uh, as an energy worker and as an energy healer is that the, the, and and I'm also par- partially a scientist myself. So what I love I'm your background. See- you say so your background in psychology and you have a science based uh, foundation. Is what everyone to know that. Well, I'm actually originally a chemist, you know, and then I I, I uh, became a software coder. So you know, this is like all different. You know, uh, sort of, and the more the more technical, the more I wanted to analyze things uh, from a scientific point of view, the more it actually led me to uh, this uh, sort of uh, a deeper understanding of divinity and deeper understanding of um, sort of the larger uh, 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 the, the larger view of things. Okay, and so what I can see today very clearly is for me there's more indication that we have a life after death that we have an existence that is not bound to time and space than um uh, the possibility that we are just sort of like a you know sort of like a blob that was just like put here somewhere on this planet earth you know to exist for a certain time and then just disappears this does not make sense for anyone who understands how energies work energies don't just poof away you know, they have to go somewhere. They have to transform. They have to constantly transform. These are the part of these universal laws. And with quantum mechanics, you know, some of these laws have been augmented. They have been refined. And so we now know that uh, just because we perceive something in a certain dimension, uh, it doesn't mean that uh, this is that uh, it's limited to that existence at this particular time. You know, as a metaphysical teacher and a healer, what are some of the things that people can do to gain, increase their perception, to have otherworldly experiences, and you know, begin to make themselves as open as they can to one, receiving communication with those who are in spirit, and two, 
allowing themselves to be, I don't know, accessible to all the wonderful things that life has to offer. Some people feel that life is very difficult, and it can be very challenging. And I'm wondering if it's because on a deeper level, sometimes they feel that's the only thing that they're deserving of it. But I'm wondering how much of a role their will to feel deserving of great things in life and how much of a role their will and desire to be open and receive communications from people in spirit play and then being able to attain both of those. Let me let me uh, uh, start with your second question. I think, you know, part of the, the suffering and the, the struggle of our 3D existence, you know, and, and the irreconcilable um, a duality that we're experiencing, you know, like the, the the pain and the love and the the beauty and the the, the darkness and the loneliness and and and, and some of these uh, psychological aspects that you mentioned, you know, like worthiness, um, you know, and all that. It has to do with us not being able to connect with our spiritual self or our true self. I prefer to call it true self. Um, and, and that leads them back to the first question, you know, how can a person you know, uh, connect with this part uh, and uh, perhaps even uh, reduce or, um, you know, heal this this pain and this uh, suffering uh, through connecting with the more um, spiritual part of themselves. And, and I want to point out uh, that I don't really think that we can find this in connecting other worlds. I don't think we need to connect other worlds. I think the main healing path for people is in connecting with their own spiritual self within. And, and the pathway to that, I mean, this is a, uh, not news, you know, uh, is, of course, through uh, uh, having spiritual experiences, through allowing ourselves to experience ourselves as spiritual beings, and um, you know, there's there's a, there's a complex question, of course, but it, it, I'm I'm also very precise here in my answer. Uh, I don't think that we can find this by exploring outer worlds, um, and 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 you know this. We have workshops and so forth where we teach people how to navigate dimensions, how to navigate outer worlds, and stuff like that. But um, the actual uh, healing and 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 reconciliation. Uh, between this uh, sort of, um, you know, mortal self that we have and that eternal self that we have uh, is in really seeking this while we are alive. And this is something that uh, this whole movement uh, to its mindfulness and, and spiritual awakening and spiritual emergence is actually showing that people who are connecting with their spirituality and and and, and let me just uh, point this out this does not have to be in the context of religion so a, a big part of um this modern spirituality that is developing right now is to actually see it more as um connecting with the higher power within and without externalizing this to any other outer type of thing you know and of course, people, you know, have experiences in uh, some of these transcendental states where they, um, where they can contact or, or communicate with, with spirit guides or with uh, 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 the consciousness of deceased people and so forth. This is all possible. This is for, for from you know my daily work. Uh, you know, this is normal. Okay, this is a this is a reality. Um, but I don't necessarily think that the that the healing or the 
um, the reconciliation that we are, are seeking, that we find this by by venturing out and trying to to find out what else is there. I think it's much easier. I think it is uh, really just uh, going into our own heart and connecting with our own um, true self or spiritual self, and then that uh, literally answers all questions and it, it heals all pain. Miss Yona Brindis, metaphysical teacher and energy healer. She's also co-host of the Heart Warriors Radio, which where we appear on a regular basis. You'll learn about it by going to our website at transcodes.com. Brindis, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Okay, everyone, that concludes part six of the Death Show. Special thanks to our superb teachers and mystics. And please stay tuned for part seven, which is going to feature additional teachers and mystics. To learn more about the Outer Limits of the Truth Radio Show, please go to our website at OuterLimitsRadio.com. Thank you so much for listening. Want to be heard or seen in front of millions of people? Want to be an expert on TV or radio? Goldman McCormick PR is a New York City-based public relations agency that specializes in traditional and social media placement for law, finance, media, and corporate-based clients. Goldman McCormick PR also are specialists in website development, radio show creation, press conferences, media training, and so much more. Check out GoldmanMcCormick.com for more information. GoldmanMcCormick.com. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media? Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 